Hello and welcome to the Growing Pastor Podcast, where I invite pastors and Christian leaders to share stories and advice to help you grow as a pastor, leader, and family man. I'm your host, Rob Lauder, and in this episode, I'm joined by my friend and mentor, Josh Miller. Josh and I talk about leadership development, spiritual disciplines, and opportunities for you to get trained as a pastor. So without further ado, let's start the show. All right. Welcome to the Growing Pastor Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Lauder. Uh, my guest today is Josh Miller. And in addition to being a husband and daddy of two with a third on the way, Josh is a pastor at the Summit Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Uh, Josh has spent his last three years just completely immersed in training and developing future pastors and leaders, many of whom are now in full-time ministry roles. Uh, Josh has also served as the Director of Assessment at the Summit Network, where he's helped place more than 20 church planting pastors and churches all all over the country. But beyond that, Josh has spent the last year and a half walking with me through some huge transitions in my life and ministry. I've grown so much in the short time that I've experienced under his leadership, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview. Uh, so Josh, no pressure, but welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. Uh, excited to be here. So one of the things that I like to do is start out with some of the highlights of, of your ministry story. So uh, walk us through some of the steps that God has brought you through as he's brought you into ministry. Yeah, so uh, my ministry story actually started back in college. I was playing football at a little college in Virginia that you've never heard of and would not be impressed by, so I won't tell you. Um, <laughs> and man, just had a heart for trying to reach uh, teammates with the gospel and and grow uh, help them grow as disciples. Um, that turned into a coaching gig. So for two years, I, I served on our coaching staff and uh, man, more and more realized that my heart was for pastoring people. So, you know, I loved speaking at chapel. I loved discipleship groups. I loved uh, working with different parachurch ministries like Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And that became more of a passion for me than even, you know, digesting film and, and coaching technique. Um, and so it was, it was at this point that I went to my wife and I said, honey, I think maybe God is calling us into ministry. And she very graciously uh, said, okay, what does that mean? Uh, and after a lot of processing and getting some counsel, we um, got connected with the Summit Church uh, here in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Uh, and I knew about our church's vision for both planting churches, but also developing young guys that felt a call to ministry, but knew that they needed time to grow. And so we packed our bags and moved down to the triangle area of North Carolina with no jobs and less money, um, but with a lot of passion and excitement. And I've been uh, the recipient of some incredible investment and mentorship from the staff here at Summit. Uh, and I'm the product uh, in many ways of uh, Mike McDaniel, our church planning pastor, of the elders at our North Raleigh campus that have invested in me. And so I, I came on as an intern in our church planning department about four and a half years ago and was just doing anything that needed to get done uh, and eventually came on in a full-time role uh, working with uh, men and women that feel a call to vocational ministry and helping them to understand that call and investing in them and helping them uh, grow as leaders so that when it is time for them to step into full-time vocational ministry roles, they can do that successfully and they can be a part of uh, seeing the church thrive and grow in the 21st century. So, uh, man, those are kind of the highlights. My long-term, uh, we, we believe that God is calling us to church planting, um, specifically planting uh, in, in an area with a large university uh, concentration and uh, trying to figure out, man, how can we engage uh, this city and engage that campus and, man, leverage the students uh, of that university 
university to plant churches in the future. So that's sort of the next big thing on on our radar. And uh, I guess we, maybe we can check in in a couple of years and see how that's going. But uh, that's us. Awesome. So I started this podcast to speak to young leaders and, and young aspiring pastors of whom we are both in that demographic. Um, and so I know that you have a unique passion and a unique gift for raising up young leaders. Uh, you spent the last three years of your ministry uh, building and refining Summit's uh, model for raising up and developing leaders. So could you talk through what leadership development looks like at Summit? I'm going to give uh, just a few talking points and we'll kind of walk through them as, as however we want to do that. Um, but where do young leaders start? Um, what are some of the common milestones that young leaders can look for? And what are some of the most common challenges that they encounter um, during their, their ministry journey? Yeah, that's a great question, Rob. Um, I'll start kind of big picture, and this is more of a kind of philosophy of leadership development. But one of the things that we've realized over the last couple of years is we've really doubled down and worked on investing in young uh, men and women that are, are called to ministry um, is that you really need to take a holistic approach uh, to leadership development. And what I mean by that is, uh, man, people need to learn knowledge. So they, they need to grow in terms of kind of head knowledge, but they also need to be formed in their character. So, you know, the heart needs to be engaged and they also need to learn some practical skills. So the hands need to be engaged. So no matter what we do uh, when we're forming programs, uh, whether that's just general development of people at our church or that's um, our internship program, which is sort of our 201 level or our apprenticeship program, which is kind of a 301 level, man, we're asking the question, how are we engaging all three aspects of a leader? Um, I think that's really important. I think if, if, if you use that model, you can plug in a lot of different uh a lot of different vehicles to accomplish that. So maybe, you know, you have you have people read a book and then you discuss it, or maybe you have them watch a podcast uh, and then they write up a report, or maybe you, you know, it doesn't really matter what your vehicle is for delivering each component. Um, if you're getting all three of those, we found that, uh, man, people, young leaders really thrive uh, and, and they grow the quickest when they're, when they're receiving kind of holistic development. I feel almost like uh, when we think of leadership development, we we focus on the vehicle. So it sounds like you think, you think what are the core competencies that that a leader needs to develop. And then uh, the vehicle or, or whatever format that looks like mm-hmm. can be diverse. It can be tailored to the individual leader. Um, but to do so in such a way that um, is, uh, is holistic is, is, uh, has been really helpful for me as mm-hmm. I've experienced your leadership there. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, happens, you know, a fair amount is I'll talk to folks at a conference or, or email with people that are interested in starting a leadership development process in their church. And they'll ask me for the curriculum that we use, um, which I'm happy to share, but I always emphasize to them um, the the secret sauce isn't the curriculum. It's not like, man, if you just read the right articles from Tim Keller and the right books by Eric Geiger and, you know, all these other guests that you've had on your podcast. Um, I haven't had Tim Keller on the podcast yet. <laughs> coming soon in 2017. Um, you know, that, okay, then if you get that secret sauce, then boom, like you're going to, you're going to, you know, just churn out leaders. Um, but it's more about intentionality and it's more about asking the question, man, how are we engaging all three aspects of these men and women that are called to ministry? Uh, and, and whatever vehicle, like you said, you use is, is less of less consequence than are you doing something to try to engage them on those three levels? So with that framework in mind, uh, where does a young leader start in that pipeline? Yeah. So here at Summit, one of the things we say all the time uh, is that great church members make great church leaders. 
And so anytime I'm talking to someone who aspires to uh, a, a position of leadership in the local church, I always encourage them uh, to pursue the normal means of grace and discipleship that we would ask anyone at our church to pursue. Uh, so here at Summit, that's a couple things. Uh, we, we want folks to get connected into a small group. So we want them to be living in biblical community, practicing the one another commands of the gospel, um, learning what it's like to learn people that are, to love people that are different than them, uh, learn what it means to sacrifice to serve other people in the church, uh, we'd encourage them to, to join a service team. So whether that's on the weekend, uh, you know, helping people park or, or discipling our kids, whether that's during the week, uh, working with a local outreach ministry, maybe at one of our elementary schools in the area, uh, we want them to practice, you know, Mark 1045, where Jesus says, you know, the son of man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we want folks to do that. Uh, we want them to be involved uh, in you know weekend worship services, right? Which uh, I mean, it's just an opportunity for them to fix their eyes on Christ and and worship Him. Uh, and we want them to pursue covenant membership. So we want to tell them this is what we're about as a church. This is what it means to be a member. This is what uh, our mission and vision is, and, and we want to invite people into that. Um, so that's always the starting point when I talk to anyone uh, that is interested in becoming a leader in the church. I say, hey, man, your first step is just grow as a disciple. Um, in leadership development, it's easy to slip into separating uh, discipleship from leadership development. Um, and I think that that can be really harmful because ultimately as pastors, we're called to make disciples. Uh, we're not called to make leaders as an end in themselves, but we're called to make leaders because leaders catalyze discipleship. Uh, and so I never want anyone to think that, man, I could grow as a leader without consequently growing as a disciple. Um, and so we always push people to, uh, man, what you might just call the normal discipleship rhythms of our church as a starting point. Awesome. So out of some of those uh, those environments, so you said small groups were, was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, serving on a, a Sunday morning or weekend service team is another big uh, avenue for discipleship. Um, how do young leaders start to rise up out of those yeah. environments? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I tell folks all the time, at least here at our church, is there's going to be a, a sequence of time, you know, between six weeks and three months where a young leader is just going to need to show themselves faithful. They're just going to need to to sign up to serve. They're going to need to join the small group. They're going to need to come, be there on time, sign up to bring snacks, just show that you're reliable. And at our church anyway, because we have so much going on, if you show that you're reliable and can be counted on, eventually you're going to have more things than you can say yes to. So I see this happen all the time. I talk to a young leader three weeks into their membership of our church and they're, you know, they're, they're itching to, to really lead something. And I talk to them six months later and I'm having to talk them off the edge. You know, I'm having to say, hey man, you can't be a leader in everything that we do. You need to figure out what's God calling you to do. Um, but some practical ways is to, you know, I tell guys this in small group all the time, go be faithful, show up on time, participate in discussion, bring snacks, go to your group leader and say, Hey, I, you know, I, I think God has called me to church leadership. I want to serve. Is there any way that I can help? And if the small group leader is anything like me, I'm going to jump all over that. And usually it's not going to be anything really glamorous at first. It might be, Hey, can you organize our potluck dinner next week? Right. But just like Jesus said, man, when you're faithful with little, you'll be entrusted with much. It's the same thing. If you're faithful and you show up and and you show that you're responsible, eventually you're gonna you're gonna grow into greater opportunities, greater platforms. Um, and so we're telling our small group leaders all the time, hey, have an eye out uh, for folks that are called to leadership and that are faithful and give them opportunities and raise them up. And so if you're at Summit and you're doing that uh, for you know six months or more, you're gonna get recognized and and you're quickly gonna have probably more asks on your 
table, then you know what to do with. So I think there's uh, there's two levels of, of leadership that you just kind of highlighted in there. One is the um, the uh, I'm not yet leading something, mm-hmm. but I aspire to. And then there's the um, the leadership level or tier of I'm a small group leader, I'm a ministry team leader, and I'm looking to raise up leaders, both of which are fruitful environments and fruitful stages of leadership development to begin to flex some of the leadership muscles that you're going to have as you progress in your um, in your experience as a pastor mm-hmm. so uh, along with that what are some of the common milestones that young leaders can look for as they go through that journey yeah so we've borrowed this language uh, from man some leadership books so this isn't new to us but some of the language we use is the first stage of leadership is just learning to lead yourself um, and that boils down to keeping your commitments, um, having kind of your house in order, being on time to things, um, you know, letting your yes be yes and your no be no in the sense that you do what you say you're going to do, being responsible. Um, and then the next stage is when you begin to lead other people. So uh, that's where you're functioning, you know, in the small group leader uh, role where you're uh, casting a vision uh, and you're helping other people uh, run towards it. So this is when you're learning about group dynamics. You're learning about the importance of relational credibility with folks. You're uh, uh, learning the ups and downs of of trying to get people involved, you're you're probably uh, realizing how frustrating you were three years ago when you were in a small group and you wouldn't respond to the email chain, right? And you wouldn't bring snacks. Um, so that's the the leading others level. And then I think an important stage after that is when you move from leading others to leading leaders. So at this point, you're usually in some sort of formal role, whether that's uh, in a lay position, like you're serving as a maybe a, a service team leader, or you've joined staff at a church, and now you're overseeing other people who are also leading. Um, and that, that role can, uh, that role consists more of, um, coaching, uh, of troubleshooting, of encouragement and of, um, being able to, to recast the vision for leaders that are in the midst of it. And they're maybe kind of getting worn out by the day in day out, um, hard work of discipleship. And, and you're coming alongside of them and you're reminding them, Hey, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And this is where we're going. And you're able to provide some helpful feedback and some helpful coaching, uh, because you've been there, you've you even if you haven't been in the exact same role that they're in, you've experienced similar challenges of discipleship and leadership, and so you can be a resource to them. So that would be the the leading leaders um, kind of stage, uh, and then I think the last stage, and, and not everyone reaches this stage or needs to, but uh, is when you're you're leading a ministry, right? So you're you're leading multiple leaders who are leading leaders. So uh, if you're going to eventually be you know a a senior pastor or an associate pastor of a church. Church, you're going to be uh, responsible for multiple departments. You might oversee the children's ministry. You might oversee student ministry. You might oversee the preaching ministry on the weekends. So at that point, you are um, really working at uh, encouraging, coaching, and uh, keeping those leaders um, motivated, keeping them focused on the vision, and ensuring that they're walking with God uh, and that they're growing in their spiritual vitality as they grow in their responsibility. So as uh, as a leader goes through that journey, um, and and knowing that uh, one thing that came to mind as you were talking about that was John Maxwell's five levels of leadership, um, which he kind of says that um, you know there's there's different uh, levels that a leader will go through grow through as they uh, as they gain experience, and you might not ever become a level five leader, but you might be a level four leader or a level three leader, um, and that's just where God's 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 have ha- God has place to you. Um, what are some challenges that leaders experience during that process? 
The biggest one that I've found is a frustration with the pace. So for a lot of guys, myself included, that are young and that are ambitious and that want to see God move and and want to want to be used by God to expand His kingdom, uh, we really want to get after it. We want to. You know, we want to go and plant a church at, at 21 years old, and we want to storm the gates of hell, and we think we're the next Charles Spurgeon that doesn't need to go to seminary, and, uh, you know, all these different things. And, man, I, I love that ambition. I love that passion, and I look for that when I'm looking for young leaders. But one of the things that you see in the Bible over and over again is that when God uses someone in a powerful way in his kingdom, he almost always brings them into a season of pasture. So a season where he has them out in the wilderness, not with a platform, not not doing anything exciting, you know, caring for sheep. And what he's doing is he's forming the heart of that leader. So if you think about Moses, Moses was uh, at the top of of Egyptian political power. Uh, He thinks he's going to start this revolution. He kills the Egyptian. Then he's exiled and he spends 40 years tending sheep in the wilderness, right? You think about David. Um, David is anointed the the king of Israel by the prophet Samuel uh, when he's a teenager, right? He he has the oil put on him. The ceremony happens. But you ask the question, well, well, when did he become king? Well, it wasn't from us 15 years later. He went right back out into the pasture uh, as as, uh, Pastor J.D. Greer likes to say here at the Summit Church, he didn't go start trying on robes, but he went back out in the pasture and cared for sheep, right? If you look at the prophet Elisha, Elisha was one of the most powerfully used prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, God did more things through Elisha in terms of miracles than anyone else. Um, And when he was called to be the next prophet of Israel, Elijah, his mentor, was still in his prime. And so Elisha spent time in the equivalence of getting coffee and making copies for Elijah for years before it was time for him to take on the mantle. Um, and you know, you can go on and on and on with these examples uh, in the Bible and the New Testament. It's certainly true. Um, and throughout church history, we see this. And so one of the one of the biggest things I have to do with young leaders is remind them that God has purpose in the season that they're in. And he's much more concerned in this season with the formation of their character than he is with the utilization of their gifts. Because the truth is, um, God doesn't save us to use us. He saves us to know us. And the problem is if we get platformed really quickly because we're gifted, we're a good communicator or we're a good leader, we can forget that. And we can quickly outpace our character uh, with our gifts and we can hold more responsibility than our heart is really ready for. And that uh, can spell disaster. So what I tell guys all the time is what I call the Aaron Rodgers principle. So, you know, I'm dating myself here a little bit. So hopefully we've got some football fans out there. Uh, But there is a quarterback years ago named Ryan Leaf, who was a contemporary of Peyton Manning, which might be a, a name more people know. And Ryan Leaf was a dynamic college quarterback. He finished runner-up in the Heisman to Peyton Manning. He went number two overall in the NFL draft, uh, but he went to a really bad team. And the team had a horrible offensive line, and they they started Ryan Leaf right away, like his, his rookie year. And he set the sack record that year for NFL quarterbacks. So he was tackled by large men in the backfield more than any other quarterback in the history of the NFL. He had all these blow-ups with the media, And he was just rattled and he never recovered and he ended up washing out of the league. You contrast that with Aaron Rodgers, uh, who is one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL consistently, had an incredible year this year. He was drafted by the Packers when Brett Favre had two good years left. Right, and everybody analysts were, what are they doing? Why are they wasting a first round pick on Aaron Rodgers? He's not going to want to sit behind Favre, yada yada. But what the Packers knew is, man, here's a guy that's incredibly gifted, 
but we want to work with him. We want him to learn from one of the greatest NFL quarterbacks in, in history. We want to retool some of his mechanics so that when he starts, man, he's going to have a much longer, more fruitful career. The truth is Aaron Rodgers has won an uh, NFL MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl MVP. And he's been one of the top five quarterbacks in the league ever since he stepped into the starting role because he was willing to walk through that pasture time. So I tell young leaders, do you want to be Ryan Leaf or do you want to be Aaron Rodgers? Right? And that illustration is only going to be effective for a few more years because I'm dating myself. But man, uh, you know, inevitably they say, man, I want to be Aaron Rodgers. And I say, well, then you've got to commit to the pasture time. You've got to wait in this period and let God form your character. And one thing we we talk a lot about around uh, the summit uh, staff is that we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in a year, but underestimate what we can accomplish in 10 years. And I think that goes for leadership development too. Um, and so kind of the, the exact scenario that you just described is pretty much my story. Um, you know, I came into the apprenticeship just over a year ago. And I remember um, after God kind of confirmed through some some events and some uh, some input from you and others that church planting might be a possible outlet for ministry for me. Um, I remember I sat down with you at Caribou Coffee and I like sketched out the timeline. I said, this is exactly how it's going to work. And you're like, that's probably not how it's going to work. You've got some <laughs> things to work on before that. So what advice would you give for a leader in that situation who is starting to, to experience and catch a vision for where God is leading them, but it's not going at the pace that they had expected and, and, and kind of dealing with that gap of this is where I am versus this is where I would hope to be. Yeah. So two things. Uh, and I think Rob, that, that you have modeled both of these. Well, um, the first is I would always encourage people to be completely present where you are and and do in seed form now what you hope to do in full form later. So guys that come to me and say, hey man, I want to be a church planner. Well, church planning is about making disciples. I mean, that's functionally what it is. Um, you know, the the service and the preaching and the, and the music and all that are to all serve the purpose of making disciples. So I say, well, man, the best thing you can do right now is, is man, dive deeply into making disciples where you are. Dive deeply into uh, building relationships with non-Christians and, and learning how to share your faith and share the gospel in a winsome way with people that disagree with you and have doubts and have a different worldview. Um, lean in deeply to discipling young believers and helping people move from nominal engagement to deep engagement in the local church. Uh, lean deeply into community formation and what it looks like for you and your family to live transparently with other believers. So start doing now uh, what you want to do in the future. So that would be my first uh, piece of advice. My second piece of advice would be surround yourself with people who will give you honest feedback. Um, and I say that because none of us like feedback, but feedback is sort of like fertilizer for leadership development. It's not very pleasant to have around, but it's absolutely essential for growth. Um, and one of the things we need to do is invite people that know leadership to honestly speak into our life, to tell us about the things that everyone sees, but no one's willing to tell us. Because if we don't, no one ever will, because it's uncomfortable and we'll carry that weakness with us all the way through our ministry life. Um, there's, there's a guy that is a phenomenal pastor and leader out in the Midwest. And he said, the thing that I tell my staff that they can trust me, they say, you can trust me to tell you to your face what everyone else is whispering behind your back. And that is an incredibly valuable thing for a leader to be able to pass down to another. It's not easy. It hurts a lot, but it forms our it forms our 
character in a way that is priceless. It teaches us to find our hope and our value in Christ and not in our perceived competency or our perceived gifts. And it gives us an opportunity to recognize blind spots that we never could have seen on our own and grow as a leader. So that would be my my two recommendations. Number one, man, dive deeply now into what you hope to do later. And number two, man, find people that are excellent leaders and invite them to give you honest feedback. So one of the, the stages of leadership development that you said was most foundational was learning to lead yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of ties into another uh, speaking point that we had kind of talked about it ahead of time and, and a spiritual vitality yeah. in the life of the leader. So what's, um, what does spiritual vitality look like mm-hmm. to you? That's an excellent question, and, and this is such a big, important topic in ministry leadership that I'll just be sort of skimming the surface, but it's something I'm passionate about and increasingly passionate about in, in cultivating in other younger leaders. Um, you know, I, I think that w- the goal is that the people that we lead should be able to look at us and say, that man or that woman walks with God. And that can take a lot of different forms. You know, we could talk about a lot of different disciplines and practices, but the most, um, the, the leaders that God uses most in his church are not necessarily the most gifted. They're not necessarily a certain personality profile, but they're the men and women that are passionate about God. They're passionate about knowing him. They're passionate about growing to become more like his son. They're passionate about communing with him in prayer, about reading his word, about obeying his commandments. Um, they just they just want to spend time with the Lord. And when you're around a person like that, you can tell. Um, I've, I've been reading a book on the history of Campus Crusade and Bill Bright, the founder. Um, and Campus Crusade is a snapshot. You wanna talk about leadership development went from a movement of three volunteer leaders in 1951 on the campus of UCLA to an international ministry of 30,000 staff members uh, in almost every country in the world. And as you look at what happened, as you look at why people joined that movement, why people joined that organization, um, particularly early on when it didn't have kind of the the brand name that it does now, um, to a person they said, you could tell Bill Bright walked with God. He, he just had a sense about him. He just sought the Lord. He was passionate about reaching non-Christians. He loved Jesus. One reporter, uh, a student actually, that was working on a PhD, he had, he had gone around the country and he'd interviewed these big ministry leaders. And he said, you know, when I talked to most ministry leaders, they got passionate about their ministry and what they were doing. When I talked to Bill Bright, I could tell he was in love and passionate with Jesus Christ. And he talked about Jesus and started weeping in the hour that we talked about him. Man, that is what I want to be true of me. You know, I don't want people to remember me as, oh, that guy that was good at leadership development, or he could really execute a plan, or man, he was a great preacher. More than anything, I want to say, man, that guy walked with God. That's what I want my grandkids to know about me. And so as I think about how I'm shaping leaders, I always want to keep that in the back of my mind. How am I helping them delight in God? How am I helping them love him more? How am I helping them repent of sin and place their hope in him? Um, and it kind of circles back around to the holistic development. You can't do that if all you're doing is developing head knowledge. If all I'm ever doing is teaching guys, you know, eight eight best principles for preaching or, you know, six ways to, to grow your small group, those things are helpful, but those things aren't speaking to the heart and they're not getting to the, the most important thing about leadership, which is our relationship with God. And so I see myself as a pastor of 
the leaders in our system. Um, I'm not. I'm not just. I'm not an HR director, but I'm the pastor of ministry training. I love HR directors, by the way. My mom is an HR director. Um, but man, I see myself as shepherding these guys towards the Lord because ultimately, I think that's the most important thing in leadership. Um, God can use anyone to build His kingdom. The people that He most often uses throughout church history are men and women, not that are the greatest speakers or the most dynamic leaders, but are men and women that are passionately in love with Him. Uh, and so, I think that's incredibly important in the life of a leader. Man, if you're comfortable, I'd love you to kind of like peel away the veneer a little bit and uh, give us some insight into what do your, um, what do your disciplines look like mm-hmm. in terms of devotional time, prayer time, leading your family, leading uh, yeah. your staff, et cetera. Yeah. So I in no way want to set myself up as the model here, um, but I'll just share some things that I'm learning right now that God's teaching me. Um, I w- became convicted over the last couple months uh, that my prayer life uh, was not nearly as strong as other areas of my life. So, you know, I was reading all kinds of books on leadership, but I wasn't really growing in the area of prayer. And so I just committed uh, to come under the influence of some some people that I felt like had walked before me in that. Uh, and one of the practices I picked up from them um, is pretty simple. It's not revolutionary, but it's prayer walking. So now for the last, uh, you know, a couple weeks, I guess, uh, um, I've, I've been getting up in the morning like I usually do, uh, and I've been spending about an hour and a half, uh, hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half, uh, just prayer walking, just walking around my neighborhood and just uh, talking to God, crying out to God for different people in my life, and specifically asking what Paul prays in Ephesians 1. I love this. Paul prays for the Ephesian church that God would enlighten the eyes of their heart. Paul basically prays, God, they can't feel and experience you on their own. They can't do it. We can't. But by your spirit, they can. And so I'm praying that you would allow them to really feel and experience you, right? Feel and experience what you reveal to be true about yourself in the scripture. So not going beyond the scriptures, but, you know, we, we, we might know the, the equation of the gospel, but what does it look like to feel the gospel in our heart? Like Jonathan Edwards talks about, it's one thing to know that honey is sweet, but it's another to taste honey and know the sweetness of honey. And so I've just started you know, crying out to God and saying, God, I want to feel you. I want to sense you. I want to walk in the presence of your spirit and the power of what you're doing. Um, and I found that when I start with a solid, maybe an hour of prayer, and then I go into God's word, it's a whole different experience. I feel like I'm asking different questions. I'm being read by scripture. Uh, I'm a different husband. And so that's overflowed into how I try to lead my family. I mean, it is not perfect. I've got two little kids, another one on the way. Some days I feel like I'm reading from the big picture story Bible and it makes absolutely no difference. But I've started really praying before I read the Bible with my kids to God and not to them, which might sound kind of strange, but I have a tendency when I'm with other people and I realize I'm right now, I'm just saying words for the sake of these people in this room, but I need to be talking to God. So I've just stopped, man, I'll just close my eyes and I'll pray. And my kids will be running around the room and I'm just praying, God, you love these kids more than I do. And you want them to be a part of your people more than I do. You've already paid for them. You've already shed the blood of your son. You've already done all the hard work. So bring them into your kingdom and use this moment as a seed in their life. And I hope that as they grow older, they'll learn about prayer, not the bad habits for me where I was praying basically for their sake, but they'll learn, oh, prayer is talking to God, not talking to the other people in the room. Uh, And so I hope they pick that up. You know, it is, hear me, it is not, it is not like the Sistine Chapel in our house. You know, they're not all coming to hope. Father, would you? teach us the, the scriptures? You know, no, it's not that. It's it's kind of a crazy house. But I don't think my kids are going to remember in five years or 10 years, like that I explained the Trinity to them in like precision, like as they took a bath, you know, but I, I hope that they'll remember every night 
mom and dad read the Bible and prayed with us. Right. And I think that that is maybe more important than them knowing at age three, me trying to explain to them the depths of, of theology, which they're not going to be able to comprehend. It's almost like uh, recapping our conversation, but applying it to parenting is like <laughs> you're 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 at a certain level. Right. Yeah. And you've got what you need at that level um, and you don't need to go into the finer yeah. points of theology with your three year old. Um, I want to back up and, and hone in on one thing that you mentioned. Um, and it was almost like an, an afterthought, but I want to explore this. You said um, that you recognized that prayer was a, a, an area of growth for you. And then you came under some godly men who have come before you in that area. Mm-hmm. What does that conversation look like? How do you approach someone in order to, um, to start and foster that relationship? Yeah. So a lot of mine have been digital, so that's been easy. Um, I've just, uh, started podcasting people. Um, but there are, there are some folks that, that I have friendships with that I just know are, you know, you just know those, those people in your life that they just, prayer is just one of their passions and one of their gifts. And so I didn't make it real formal because I think sometimes formal, like, Hey, will you mentor me in prayer? can be a little clunky, right? And make you a little uncomfortable. feels like it comes with all these expectations, but I just texted or called or, or met with them, took them out to coffee and said, Hey, this seems to be an area that you are passionate about. Can you just recommend some practices or some resources, some people to listen to? And that's been really, really helpful. And I had enough of those people mention the prayer walking thing that I was finally like, fine, I'll try it. Because at first I was like, oh, that sounds kind of weird. I don't know. Like, seems kind of cliche. Uh, but man, I, I've started doing it. It's been it's been a, an incredibly helpful practice for me. Um, so some of it is digital. Uh, I just, I found some people that uh, are just passionate about it. Um you know, guys, that, honestly, I don't agree with everything that they do, but there's this one area that I, I do agree with what they're doing, and I realize that they're further ahead than me, and so I want to learn from them. And also just some some friends that I have that, uh, you know, that, that are, are really passionate about it, and that uh, has been a real, uh, a real gift to me. I've actually started praying. I've just started praying to God that he would, he would give me, um, you know, what you might call like some spiritual fathers or mentors in this area of my life in particular. And, you know, if there's ever a prayer that God's going to answer, like the prayer that you would learn how to pray better is a, is a pretty good one, right? So I think that I'm on good standing there uh, and it's a work in progress. So I would love if there's anyone listening to this, that's like, oh man, I've got a great book on prayer. I've got a great practice that he's got to, he's got to know about, man. Email Rob, email the podcast. I want to learn. One of our, our, our values here is that we feel like uh, we are never finished. We are never a finished product until Jesus returns. And so I want to learn and I want to learn from other people. And I, and I don't want to ever think that I've arrived uh, in the area of prayer. And so that's one of the ways I'm trying to put it into practice. Right. So we've talked a lot about um, the uh, some of the programs that, that Summit offers and you are a part of here uh, that uh, that young leaders can participate in and grow, um, one of which is the pastoral apprenticeship or the ministry apprenticeship, of which I have been a part. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who are connected to the Summit Church or Southeastern Seminary or even people who maybe this is their first time hearing of Summit Church. Yeah. Um, but you are currently accepting applications to become a part of Summit's ministry apprenticeship. So if one of our listeners wants to explore a call to ministry, talk a little bit about what that program entails, yeah. how it's structured, and how they can get involved. Yeah, so Rob, you're an alumni, um, so you know, we've got good standing here. Um, but yeah, so a little bit of the background, the vision of why we put this thing into practice. If you look through the history of the church, what you'll find is that the church rises and falls on leadership. So you know, whether it was Moses and Joshua, or Deborah and Nathan, or uh, you know, David. 
or Elijah or Nehemiah. I mean, you you know, go through the New Testament, Paul and Chloe, Luther and Calvin, uh, you know, William Carey and Lottie Moon, all the way up to the present. Um, the, the, the church's health and vitality is directly tied to the health and vitality of its leadership. And so we believe that one of the most strategic investments we can make uh, is to invest in the leaders, uh, the men and women that will lead our church in the next generation. And so that's the vision. And that's the why behind the pastoral or the ministry apprenticeship. Um, so the ministry apprenticeship is a two-year development experience uh, where we uh, bring um, men and women who feel called to vocational ministry into a season of, of intense training and development. Uh, there's three components. There's a hands-on ministry component where each apprentice uh, carries about 20 hours of ministry responsibility at the Summit Church and serves in a part-time staff role. Uh, uh, handling meaningful ministry responsibility. So in the trenches, making disciples. Um, there is a mentorship piece of it where uh, every apprentice is formally paired with a, a staff's mentor who uh, speaks into their life on a regular basis about character, about competency, about uh, their calling, about how family life is going. Uh, and then there's a, a knowledge development piece. So we have weekly trainings where we're uh, working through um, a curriculum that, that helps us uh, grow in different um, areas of competency that you just really need to have knowledge in if you're going to successfully step into into full-time ministry. Um, so the goal on the back end is that everyone that, that graduates from the program would be ready to successfully step into full-time vocational ministry. Um, we we accept about eight to ten applicants a year, so it's based on classes. So we have we have about uh, you know total our goal is to have sixteen people in the program at one time, uh, you know year one, year two kind of thing. Uh, and those applications are available at summitrdu.com backslash apprenticeship. Summitrdu.com backslash apprenticeship. I don't know if you have show notes, but if so, you can probably put that in there. Um, and if you go to that website, it'll tell you more about um, our program, more about what we do, some of the details, and there's uh, a way that you can reach out and let us know you're interested. So, uh, yeah, I would love that. I, you know, I'm passionate about it. I love getting to do it. I love getting to work with guys like you, Rob, and see um, God work in you and use your gifts. Uh, and so that's uh, that's the apprenticeship in a nutshell. Then along with that, describe the ideal applicant for that. So how do I know if I am a good candidate for this program? Yeah, so um, the program is open to both men and women because it's a ministry development apprenticeship, so not just strictly pastoral development, um, but anyone that feels called a full-time vocational ministry. Uh, And we're looking for people um, that possess the competency and character to immediately contribute to one of our uh, staff teams. Um, So there's a lot of questions that we have that go into that. We have a little profile, but basically we're looking for people that are actively serving and leading in the local church and are ready to step into a higher level of leadership where they're in a staff level position. Um, So usually what that's going to mean is that uh, candidates have served as a member and as a leader in a ministry in their church. They have some experience um, leading people. It's not their very first thing that they've ever done. They've already demonstrated a love for the local church uh, and they have a clear call to ministry. Um, So those are, those are the big things uh, that we're looking for in, in potential candidates. Awesome, man. If you're listening and you, you think that this might be an opportunity for you, you have my wholehearted endorsement. So uh, just go to the website. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes um, and then fill out an application. No obligation. You're not signing your name in blood. Um, but uh, uh, Josh is actually shaking his head. You are signing your name. No, we're, we're kidding. Um, but just uh, just take that first step and, and, and be bold and see what the Lord might lead in that. Uh, my experience with that was I was on the Summit Network site. I knew that I 
I wanted to develop as a leader and grow as a leader. Um, and I saw this apply for training button and it just kind of stood out to me. I clicked it. I uh, sent out my, uh, my interest form and I was like, they're never going to email me back. Um, but lo and behold, I got an email back and then six months later, we're moving to Raleigh Durham to be part of this program. And, uh, then it's just a whirlwind from there. Um, but Josh, thanks so much for being part of this. Is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners that we haven't covered yet? No, I mean, I think we, I think we covered a lot of it. Um, if, uh, yeah, if I can be helpful in any way, feel free to reach out to me. I love talking about this stuff and I love learning. Um, so I'm Jay Miller at summitrdu.com. So feel free to reach out. Uh, and I hope this has been helpful. All right. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Growing Pastor Podcast with Josh Miller from the Summit Network. If you did, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts, and uh, share this episode with one person who you believe would be encouraged by its content. Uh, That's all we've got for this week. I'm your host, Rob Lauder, and I hope to see you back next week.